Sorry, sir, the corporal said, smart enough not to show that he doubted Valentine. Of course, that younger Valentine who'd watched Nishino fall might have doubted this road-worn, tired Valentine, too. He had willow leaves in his hair, and his boots were drifting down the Mississippi on the flatboat. A captain came up, and Valentine gladly turned the captives over to him. Southern Command and the White Fangs watched each other over a few dozen yards. The smell of a roasting hog brought the two groups a little closer together. Valentine filled a birch bark platter with a cooked haunch and presented it to the Ozark boys with the compliments of White Fang. A few soldiers cautiously traded. Excuse me, son. Can I buy that off you? Valentine said, as he saw a private extract a bottle of RC from his sack, smacking his lips at the scent of hot pork fat and crispy skin. Dunno, sir. You don't look like you got... Just give it to him, dummy, a sergeant said. A grog veteran probably would have grabbed the younger warrior by the long hair on his shoulders and given him a shake, but Valentine recognized correction when he heard it. Carry it all this damn way, the private said, handing it over. Valentine trotted across the open space and presented the bottle to White Fang, who smacked his lips as he held up the caramel-colored water to the sky, evaluating its color. Not Sokakoli, White Fang said tapping the logo with a claw. Try, Valentine urged. He wondered if the White Fangs would be up for a march on Atlanta. Most of the cokes he'd had in his life bore an Atlanta Gunworks imprint. The grog flipped off the cap and took a generous swig. He rolled the liquid around in his mouth and gave a rather girlish giggle. Then he swallowed. The chief belched. Now it was his warrior's turn to laugh. More, yes? White Fang asked. Soon, Valentine temporized, wondering if one of the Shrivastava clan would be brave enough to open a small post in White Fang territory. The tall young warrior who'd made eyes with White Fang's daughter slapped Valentine on the back and gabbled. Valentine was pretty sure he was describing a victory over the double-blood rearguard, but caught only a word here or there. The young grog grabbed Valentine by the hair on the back of the neck and shook him, and Valentine felt his eyeballs rattle in their sockets. The youth opened up a wet canvas case and extracted a double-blood head, yammering something that could only have been, take one, I got plenty, as he tried to hand it to Valentine. Valentine demurred as politely as he could. The warrior pushed the blood-caked mess on him again, making a gesture with his forearm from his waist clenched fist at the end that Valentine found easy to interpret. No, you're right. Still not married, Valentine said in English as the grog pointed at his long hair. But I don't think a skull will help. A little cautious trading took place between the soldiers and their usual adversaries. Southern Command offered jars of honey or wrapped pieces of taffy or can openers or clasp knives in exchange for grog machete sheaths and wrist protectors or earrings. Valentine facilitated where he could, using a half-gnawed pork rib as a pointer. He found himself smiling more than he had at any time since that Fourth of July gathering. It wouldn't last, of course. Some grog would kill a pack trader looking for loot and a trophy to show his prospective bride's family or a hot-headed sergeant would teach cattle-rustling grogs a lesson in the language of the noose. 
Then matters would flare up and not be calmed down until the next holiday or bad weather season. The past was done, and the future would come soon enough. If better than thirty years on vampire earth had taught David Stuart Ballantyne anything, it was to enjoy the good moments for what they were.'